This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Sequelizers. Once again, this is not a show about fixing the bad sequels to good movies. This is more mid-season content for you to enjoy. Last time, we discussed the bad sequels that the five of us secretly like. This time, we're discussing a very big topic in the movie industry and the world, pop culture at the moment. We're discussing cinematic universes. Literally, the biggest thing you can discuss is a universe, and we're going straight for it. <laughs> As always, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me, Mr. Alec Plowman. Yes. Stuart Ashen. Hello. Tim Matum. No. And Matthew Stogden. <laughs> Suck one. <laughs> <laughs> As I go around the room, it gets more and more aggressive. Ashen's was kind of the palate cleanser in there. Yeah. <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. As usual, Stuart brings a, a much-needed civility to this show. <laughs> so yeah, we're discussing the concept, the idea, the success or failure thereof of cinematic universes in the movie industry. We're going to try and cover as much distance as we can, but let's be honest, the, the elephant in the room is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> like, we're going to have to talk about this thing, so let's get that out of the way first, shall it's we? It's the stampeding we? elephant. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, oh my god. The <laughs> trillion dollar elephant, or whatever the fuck it is by now. It is very relevant because it's every studio is trying to replicate this. You name a franchise, they're trying to do it. Yeah, yeah. there are going to be lots of future uh, film school kids writing dissertations about the nature and notion of cinematic universes, whereas obviously 15, 20 years ago, not really a thing. Not, not in the same way it is now, not in the powerhouse that it is now, in that it affects things in its wake. One of the things that we've got to ask before we really get into that, though, is what exactly do we mean by a cinematic universe? That's a very what good question. What separates a cinematic Correct. universe yeah. from a franchise and what separates it from a film that has sequels because mm. the cinematic universe is something very different even to a film that doesn't just have sequels but has spin-offs so i think we need to clarify what we mean it is a a concept a world that can support multiple separate franchises or, or, or film series simultaneously so if you look at marvel it can be making the iron man films with a single group of actors more or less Mm-hmm. at the same time that it's making the Thor films, at the same time that it's making Captain America films. And while there's crossover between them, generally speaking, those series can more or less stand by themselves to certain That's getting varying less, less and less true as Get, it builds on. Becoming less true. Yeah. But then, and then you also have, obviously, the films where they all come together. So to my mind, you can look at something like, say, for example, the Harry Potter films, where you have the very successful series based on the books, mm. and now you have the mm-hmm. fantastic beast franchise but they're not running at the same time you know and if they were to do something where they adapted the stage play or something the cursed child yes and have those kind of functioning at the same time so that you can have two huge juggernauts connected but being produced separately then that to me is what makes a cinematic universe because that's how they make the most possible money yeah because technically speaking they aren't, they aren't really i mean i know they keep saying it's the wizarding world mm. and it's like no these are prequels yeah, yeah, i mean they're, they're absolutely literally... prequels yeah, yeah. they nothing to i mean it's young dumbledore and his pals completely and um even if you did the cursed child so that's well that's a sequel that's a sequel yeah. potentially interweaving and feeding into each other because I, I had the this thought about tarantino because tarantino's films very disparate but they all apparently exist in the same universe red apple cigarettes etc yeah, yeah exactly and, th- and then you have the idea that the vega brothers yeah the yeah. even things that he's written like true romance he didn't direct it but he wrote it and then this becomes the interesting thing about the franchise because if it's just tarantino films it's one man's film universe mm. that's different because i was thinking about the idea of a, an immediate causality when you realize that there are vega brothers in it michael madsen and john travolta's characters then it's like oh okay there's actually a link there in theory but you don't thread it through properly in the same way that the character I can't remember the name of the director in, in in true romance his father apparently would have been one of the inglorious bastards for example and also there's an interesting idea that a world wherein people shot hitler to death to end world war ii <laughs> makes the tarantino universe make sense but 
again, other than True Romance being a Tony Scott film, it's all Tarantino. And it's all just him. They're microcosm sort of worlds, but they're not a cinematic universe mm. as such. I seem to remember there was a point where Tarantino was talking about how the fact that some of his films were set in the world of them, where you have the Vega brothers, mm. and then Kill Bill and possibly some others were films from yes, that world. That's right, that's right. So Kill Bill is vaguely based on the Foxy Force 5 or whatever yes. it is that is mentioned. That yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like... It's Kill a TV show. No, that Fox, that yes, Fox Force 5 yeah, is absolutely, that, yeah. And that's why he's, he allows himself a kind of slightly heightened level of reality where you can take a samurai sword on a plane and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that yes. and kill Bill yes. because it's allowed to be slightly more ridiculous. Whereas in the regular films, he tries to hew, whether or not he's successful, yeah. to a level of reality that would undercut that kind of stuff. So do you think, coming off from Tarantino, Matt, that multiple directors and creators involved in... A collective project is what determines the cinematic universe. Kevin Feige is the kind of creator, overlord, the architect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but he's not actively directing each and every film. That's the distinction between him and Tarantino, but does that make that less of a cinematic universe? A cinematic universe needs a spearhead, which I think is the problem with other cinematic universes, but we'll get to that a little later. Yes. Interestingly, if you look at the world of anthologies and short films and things like Sin City, for example, sleep with Tarantino for a second, different directors, different people, heading up the project but all of them working towards a central thing and i think it's just that logic stretched over a broader chasm in space something we've got to talk about here of course um the obvious thing is comic books because yes, yes. the idea of the shared universe is something that really comes from particularly marvel and dc comics mm. which is the idea that you have separate storytelling going on in your individual titles but all of those characters are aware of the other things that are going on in the other mm. stories and those are tangentially referenced and then you also have these characters appearing at various points in other stories and then have crossover comic books where multiple characters from different books might appear together yes. be that a team book like the avengers which is a book that brings disparate characters into their own stories together mm. yeah. or an event title like secret wars which brings in all of the characters from that universe in a major event and a cinematic universe is an attempt to replicate that but on mm. the big screen yeah which is why marvel being the example of it so each of these characters has their own franchises there is the thor franchise mm -hmm. a captain america franchise an iron man franchise a guardians of the galaxy franchise but it is not implausible that one of these characters might show up for a bit in somebody else's mm. movie and like the, hulk showing up in ragnarok yeah. for example and yeah. that or even on a smaller scale so I don't know, Falcon showing up in Ant-Man. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the idea that the goings-on of other things are, mm. are referenced. So it's this idea that it is interlinked. Well, I think also because the origin of these things, in much of the way saying it was adapted by TV, is kind of advertising. The random crossovers. We're like, did you realise an episode of Mork and Mindy, so-and-so turned up? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I Love Lucy, Superman turns up running. And all of them are aware who they are. They're not like, oh, and it's like, you're playing that character and it's all usually to cross-promote something else. There's a crazy giant theory that because they're all interwoven, they're, I can't remember which one's a dream, but they're all, yes. they're all dreams the and other dreams. Of other elsewhere, elsewhere, Tommy, uh, Tommy Westphal universe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's the, right. That's uh, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. The interesting right. thing here is that where they have originated from is serialized media. Mm. Yes. That's yes. a key point. Definitely. So you're talking about something that is viable more on television and in comic books correct, where you correct. are having new, continuous, weekly or monthly content. Which we have a little bit of with the CW stuff that's happening with Arrow and yeah. Supergirl yeah, the Arrow and that stuff. kind yeah. of Arrowverse mm. stuff. You've got the serialised comic book and TV stuff kind of crossing yeah. over there as well. Mm -hmm. Which I think is then one of the greatest challenges as we will come on to talk about that you have in adapting this for the big screen. Serialising these things, we don't exist in a world of cinema serials anymore where no. you expect a new instalment every week. I mean, Marvel are getting as close to that as you can by putting out three to four movies a year, which is kind of unprecedented. The, the thing is that each of the Marvel movies might be a sequel within its own franchise but they're all kind of sequels to each other so that with that interconnectivity and I think this is part of the reason why studios love that idea because yeah. it used to be that there was no way 
that you could create a franchise that people would consistently go and see where you could put out three films a year mm -hmm. because it was cost prohibitive. But the way Marvel have cracked it is this is a way where Marvel can release the next installment of the Marvel story mm -hmm. every four months and that movie will consistently make all the money yeah and that's <laughs> mostly um, hitting a billion is pretty yeah. fucking impressive yeah it's ridiculous yeah. Isn't it? yeah this is why this is so desirable at the moment i think like so much of it is about the power of branding mm. um and it's where others have failed to take off that failure sticks with them and people remember that whereas marvel having done it largely successfully people now don't even necessarily think of like oh it's an ant-man film i like ant-man they think oh it's the next marvel film yes. i'm gonna go see that a bit like not a cinematic universe but pixar people didn't necessarily mm. go to see them because they were interested in the film it's because they knew pixar was so good at what it did it's interesting we talk about serialization and how that's affecting storytelling and at the time of recording ant-man and the wasp comes out tomorrow is it tomorrow but we have for the for the next 24 hours the two most recent <laughs> films are infinity war which you could not tell without it being serialized like yeah. no. there is no way it stands alone you have to have the knowledge of at least a dozen other Marvel films to go into that and make any kind of sense. I, I read an article that was a review of like somebody who had not seen a single Marvel mm. movie going into Infinity War. Mm. I'm like, Jesus. wow, the blue guy, I really like the blue guy. <laughs> a tree man, he's good too. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why he has a glove, but that's that's mm. fine. Like, there was there was a time when people stopped saying sequels. Oh well, you have to sort of catch up with things if you don't mm. know what's going on. It's like who the fuck walks into the ninth installment in a fucking franchise <laughs> yeah. and says I don't know what's going on. This is the interesting thing, of course, with this is that you can really like Iron Man and you can have gone and seen the three Iron Man movies yes. and then want to see Avengers. Infinity War and still not have a clue what's going mm. on. We're at an interesting point with this, which I think we'll come on to in a minute. Mm -hmm. I think perhaps we want to be thinking about why other things don't work, whereas Marvel does, because mm -hmm. there is one yes. cinematic universe, I would say, mm -hmm. that really works. And I think it's Marvel. The the other point I was going to say is that the film before Infinity War was Black Panther, which, despite the character being introduced in Civil War, is basically a standalone film. Oh, like, yeah. you don't yeah. really need to know the rest of the universe. There's a couple of nods in there. The fact that Claw is cropped up before, mm. and if you stay around for the post-credits thing, oh, look, there's Bucky. But the fact that it ties into the universe, you know, comes back, obviously, in Infinity War, and I'm sure will continue to resonate. But it's basically got to a point where Marvel seemed to have cracked the ability to both tell extremely standalone stories if they want to mm. and extremely serialized which is a hell of an achievement so you mentioned about the Pixar thing and obviously the idea of cracking the formula as well for doing the standalone and the connected. And I think that's quite interesting because obviously studios have always been less about the art and how do we make all the money, boys? How do we squeeze all the money out of those people who don't like these films? And the general public, film connoisseurs will go for, oh, I really like the cinematographer. I really like this director. Most people go to the cinema because they see an actor or an actress they recognize most of the time. That's the thing that gets them in the door. Then it becomes recognizable characters. So it's like, oh, I know The Rock. I'll go see every goddamn rock film I've ever seen. <laughs> because I like that and that's Adam Sandler's career as well that kind of thing because you know what you're going to get in that kind of film even mm. if you don't and say I like a rock film Southland Tales this seems interesting it? <laughs> it's like, oh this is not my rock film although I actually really like Southland Tales but then you get the release idea of property recognizability so kids you like Spider-Man it's like yeah I recognize Spider-Man fuck yeah I'll go see a Spider-Man film don't care who's playing Spider-Man mm. I'll watch Spider-Man and that's the two things that people get people in the door. And they've basically combined that and almost Pavlovianly sort of put this marker in people's mind saying, do you like Captain America? It's like, I do now. Because I saw him once before in this other thing for a few minutes. It's like, cool, cool. Do you like Chris Evans? Yeah, because he's fucking Captain America. <laughs> We've got them both. Oh yeah, of course you do. Because he's Captain America in your films. And then it becomes less about, did you know there's a Black Panther film? Who's Black Panther? It's like, did you know there's a new Marvel film? Fucking awesome, I'm on it. They know they're not going to sell, you know, Avengers Infinity War money every single time. But they also don't need to care because the Avengers Infinity War will sell that <laughs> kind of money. So uh, we'll make a loss at 600 million. It's like 600 million <laughs> fucking dollars. Are you crazy? That The phase one stuff was making two or 300 million yeah, and was yeah. a glorious success. Mm. As much I don't like Batman v Superman, we'll get on to DC soon. It made 800 million. Then we said, this is a fucking disgrace. Well, technically speaking, it's actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't make a billion. So not, what's the point? Yeah, not good enough. Phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe did an amazing job of introducing mm. these characters and this shared concept to audiences without it feeling intrusive. You didn't feel like you had to commit to yes. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They did a very good job of producing 
four or five movies that more or less worked on their own and introducing these characters and actually setting up all the elements that they needed for that first crossover movie. Part of the reason that the Marvel Cinematic Universe works now is because they took their time. We had five movies that laid the groundwork before in Avengers. So we had Iron Man, which introduced us to Iron Man and is a standalone superhero movie. Incredible Hulk, which introduced us to the Marvel version of the Incredible Hulk. Thor then introduces us to Thor, but mm -hmm. also introduces us to Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. Captain America introduces us to Captain America, but also introduces us to many of the concepts that become yes. important to the Avengers. And Iron Man introduces Shield. Iron Man 2 develops the idea of S.H.I.E.L.D. and gives a greater prominence to Nick Fury and also yeah. introduces Black Widow. Thor also introduces us to Loki, who then becomes the principal and antagonist for the Avengers. Correct, yeah. So yeah. by the time we go into the Avengers, we know our four characters. We've got our two supporting Avengers. We know Nick Fury, we know Agent Coulson, and we know Loki, and we know who they are and what they do, what their motivations are. We can get straight into telling that yeah. story. Yeah. And it actually felt like a really organic way into introducing that shared universe. They took their time to build it up and mm -hmm. drop hints of it and audiences didn't feel completely bewildered by it mm. the thing is that in the process of doing that i think it's an interesting thing with iron man because iron man and the dark knight come out at around the same, same. time yep. and like i think are part, the yeah, polar opposites of approach to superhero yeah. movies <laughs> yeah definitely and while i think that the dark knight is a fantastic film i think that became something of an albatross for warner brothers it also struggled with how they define their characters and also having had a trilogy of batman movies meant they were loath to make another batman movie mm. because i think that the biggest problem with dc by contrast is that dc wanted what marvel had and marvel had spent a long time building the foundations of like years putting down yeah. the foundations mm. before going here's an avengers movie and it's telling that the avengers movie is the last film of phase one mm. yes. so they go here's our first phase we're ending it mm. with the first crossover which is amazing because um, the impatience of it all is the fact that yeah we're talking about four fucking years which yeah. in the scale of things isn't really really that yeah. long mm. to wait but with dc it's interesting because i really think that when they did man of steel they intended to make a superman trilogy yes. i don't think there was any intention of doing a shared mm. universe there i think mm. they wanted to make three superman films like they made three batman films what they then did is dc turned around and went marvel is making all the money with this cinematic universe and look at this model and look how many films they can put out and etc etc we need a cinematic universe let's make the next film the cinematic universe movie and and then yeah. bring in all the characters. The problem is that that becomes very convoluted and very confusing, yep. which is something that a lot of cinematic universes have then suffered from, mm -hmm. is that they go, we want to get to the universe part as quickly as possible, introduce all the cast in movie two. There's also the lack of vision in terms of like Feige is at its helm. Yeah. You've got people just saying, make it good. You haven't led us here. You don't know the properties. Just make it fucking good. I don't, I don't care about the properties and that's part of the problem. But also there is a sort of nepotistic, not sort of incestuous kind of thing. Whereas Marvel's always trying to absorb interesting talent. DCEU, whatever it's called now, the DC fucking world of DC, whatever it's called. Worlds of DC, I believe. <sighs> it was helmed on one director and one voice and one vision. But the point is that Feige isn't a director. He's just Nick Fury. He's assembling all the pieces and people to make this more interesting thing because, mm. not saying he's unable to or unable to, but kind of is. So you end up with a lot of interesting voices coming into this pit thing, whereas in DC, the only first new voice, I think, was uh, with Suicide Squad. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the problem with DC shooting their bolts so ridiculously early and shoehorning it in is that they haven't established anybody. You've got your villain. Yeah. He's new. Uh, you've got Batman. Oh, this is a new Batman. I mean, you know there is a Batman, but this is like a different one. Mm -hmm. And he's got some sort of past that will allude to in his Batcave, but you don't know that. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. you got a new Joker they bring in Suicide Squad. Yes. That's new as well. In fact, everyone's new in Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. And going back to bloody Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman is introduced as well. And so new Lex Luthor. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. Everyone's fucking, new. Yeah, except yeah. Sup that version of Superman is the only character you've seen before. You need to bring these together. Marvel crafted it over four years. Mm -hmm. DC just, let's have all the men in it now. Mm -hmm. Remember in the 60s, 
when there was the Adam West Batman versus Green Hornet episode and everyone oh. went ape shit. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to have Burt Ward fight to a standstill versus Bruce Lee. Oh, <laughs> because that had happened in real life. Yeah. And it's interesting the order that they do it in because the logical thing for DC to have done is to have effectively gone, here's a Batman movie, here's a Superman movie, here's a Wonder Woman movie, here's the movie where Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman meet and that's how we form the Justice League. Here's the Trinity movie that then leads into... Yeah. 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 Which is what they tried to do with BVS because Wonder Woman just appears Mm. out of nowhere. They tried to do all of that in one movie. Yes, exactly. And I think that that is... That's a big part. And of course the conflict means nothing unlike Civil War where, you know, it's like, oh God, these guys have been friends for ages. We love them. Oh no, now they're going against each other. Oh, is the Howling? Oh, this is just... They have just met. Now they will fight. They disagree, (laughs) but their mum's name is the same. Therefore, everybody's ludicrous. I I literally saw Dawn of Justice at the cinema with a group of friends and two of us are comic book nerdy kind of types and the rest of them are not particularly. One of the people there had no idea that was Wonder Woman until I told her afterwards. Well, she had like a lasso or something. That was quite cool. Who was that? And I was like, that's Wonder Woman. As in the Wonder Woman, you know, the, the other famous DC character. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We actually what? don't name her, do they? Not no. once. They don't say her name out loud. No. They don't call him Superman. They don't call her Wonder Woman. I have this huge pet peeve of, we can't call our superheroes their names because that's too stupid. We call him Superman. Ha, don't be stupid. We don't call him Superman. That's a ridiculous idea. The character's name is Superman. Just call him Superman. That's no more ridiculous than being a fucking alien from Krypton. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the stupid bit. The name is not the problem. And they're like, oh, we can't possibly call our characters their actual names. We better just come up with gritty alternatives. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) The name of the... It should have been just Superman film. Man of Steel is a terrible fucking title for just the first Superman movie. I think it's, it's really interesting looking back at the start of phase one or even before that. There was a point where Marvel was thought to have basically sold off all of its good properties like x-men had gone spider-man had gone fantastic four had gone and the avengers was kind of a weird uh, certainly for a long while in the comics like a weird little kind of stepchild property where basically nobody cares about iron man yeah it's it's all the it's all the characters who can't really support their own series or they've got one because they you know they've been going for so long and if we cancel it then a bunch of people will be sad yeah and they very cleverly in the comics started developing the avengers actually into the center of the universe yeah and then the movies followed and you know when when Iron Man came out, Joe Public had not heard of Iron Man. No, like had maybe remembered that there was a cartoon in the nineties. And the fact that DC couldn't do that with three characters who have the name recognition of yeah. Batman, Superman, and Wonder yeah, Woman, yeah. Like, arguably the three most famous yeah. superheroes, probably along with Spider Man, the three yeah. most iconic, infamous. Um, yeah. But the other thing I wanted to touch on is we t- we talked about kind of authorial voice and you know Kevin Feige being the one steering as much as John Favreau with the first Iron Man film kind of did define a lot of what the tone and the look of the Marvel Universe was. He didn't lend nearly as much of a kind of a stylistic weight to it as Zack Snyder does with, with Man of Steel. And the prob- You fucking know that's a Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Yes. Favreau didn't limit the property. Exactly. He just presented it. Absolutely. But, and, it, and it's not even just a necessarily limiting thing. <laughs> it's just that because there was so much Zack Snyder in that film and he was the one who then went on to, to you know, to it. do the rest yeah. of it. If you don't like a Zack Snyder film, then you're not going to like that universe and they are still (laughs) course correcting from that whereas marvel was very careful to kind of have a look that was quite adaptable and didn't have too many of someone's fingerprints on it until it got to stuff like you know guardians guardians and you know thor ragnarok and stuff like that Course correcting is the key term here because I think that the first thing we've established was what makes a successful cinematic universe is that planning is key Mm. and you need a plan for how it's going to work in the short term, which Marvel obviously had, then a plan for how it's going to work in the long term. One of the big problems is that people go into this without that concrete plan. Firstly, it needs to be logical for your characters to be in a universe together in the first place, which I think is something that both Marvel and DC have going for them, but that DC hasn't utilised well enough. An example of where there is no logic for those characters being in the universe together in the first place, for example, would be the Dark Universe, which I think is probably probably the least successful attempt at a cinematic universe. (laughs) They've attempted effectively three times, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, I Frankenstein. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, how about... What was Dracula, Dracula Untold. untold. Yeah. Now we're going to, oh no, that's not, but right, we're really going to say we're starting it with the mummy. Oh no. 
Yeah. This We're going to take a photo of all the actors together yeah. <laughs> for no fucking reason. Yeah. Universal have done this before. They did this in the 30s and the 40s all the time. And fucking Monster Squad. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, really That's not. the dark universe. Because yeah. yeah. people know fucking Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and the mummy and Invisible Man. They don't they're, things. They're synonymous like, names like Superman, yeah. like Batman, think, like Wonder Woman. Yeah. I think there is a problem there though mm. because um, I think that one of the big issues that you have when creating a cinematic universe is that you need a stable of characters to sustain it sure. and one of the big issues that you had with universal is that universal monster movies haven't really been a hot property now since i would say the 1970s that was the last real mm. renaissance of universal monster movies that you had this is something that young people haven't grown up with for a long time I think what's interesting with the Dark Universe is they try to make them into superheroes. So mm, what you ended up yes. with was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, 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 yes. absolutely. So you, it has to be able to work and sustain itself and you can't just shoehorn something into a universe for the sake of it. Bringing those characters together, like you said, they tried to adapt them into superhero characters because who gives a fuck about Gilman just hanging out by himself? He's not the interesting character driving part of the films he's in. It's the other characters experiencing him as a force of nature. Sure. As a Gilman as a would monster. definitely be the Hawkeye of the Dark <laughs> Universe. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I don't agree. know about that. I'm, I, as a Gil fan, I will have. To <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, but, yeah. Um, as a Gil fan, that's like an insult, Gil but also fan. I can understand it. <laughs> I think yeah. the issue that you have, and this is also an issue you had with the Spider-Man universe that they tried to start, yeah. and potentially the, sin the, the Spider-Man. Six. Yeah, all of those characters are antagonists, and Correct. trying to then yes. flip Very them into the yep. heroes. Is, and this is what I mean about shoehorning, because you are effectively going, we want what Marvel has. These are properties that we have. We're going to twist them so much uh, because really, by the time you've got Dr. Jekyll being like putting a team together, <laughs> you have you've transformed those characters beyond recognition. That's a real thing they tried to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's yeah. just let that sink in for a second. That yeah. is an actual fucking... Yeah. That is a key thing with a shared cinematic universe is that there has firstly to be a reason for these people to coexist in mm, that universe mm. in the first place. Like, what From are they going to be fighting? When they what, yeah, which again, Tom Cruise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> talking about like a purpose of why you would want characters to exist together there was a film i saw recently for the first time that was the first time i'd actually you know as much i would love there to be a dc universe that worked but i'm not convinced at the moment but it was the first film that i saw that i was like this could actually lead to something interesting and it was kong skull island oh interesting um which does a few little hints towards it does the typical post-credit scene thing of like oh there's a bigger universe that you don't know about it's obviously going for the kind of the big monster movie thing which you know has varied in popularity over the years mm. but those are all properties where you could in theory have standalone films with creatures in kind of hue quite close to you don't, you don't have to turn them into superhero films because mm. you can have that classic model of there's this big creature causing devastation oh wait there's actually something worse than it so we're going to try and point this monster towards it yeah and then have some kind of giant world threatening threat that they could all then be brought together you know somehow with tom hiddleston or whatever running around <laughs> with a with a whip pointing them in the right direction <laughs> to me that was the first film that i'd seen in a while that didn't try and force the cinematic universe down its throat and we all want to see godzilla fight king kong again uh, again and done well and so it felt like there is the bones of something that could work here but who knows if they carry on with it's it. it's definitely where they're headed and we've obviously got king of monsters the godzilla sequel yeah. coming up soon which is then going to build upon that mm-hmm. as well yeah there is a um an arrogance to all producers and studios Sorry. Um, <laughs> which is the idea that what's the point of a producer? They usually find out the best projects and say, this will be a great success because I can foretell that the audience will turn up for it. This will be where it's at. Nobody fucking knows that for sure. <laughs> but if you admit that, you don't have a job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this sort of like... Producers are charlatans. This sort of long con of like, no, 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 no. I can read the fucking tea leaves. I know where the public's at. Because Feige's tried to get this cinematic universe off the ground so many fucking times and no one said it's not going to work. But you, you're right, Tim. I think it's very, very interesting with the legendary universe. The key point, because they haven't fucking named it. <laughs> the Mummy opened with this stupid dark universe yes. logo and you're like piss off yes um whereas it's a bad sign like yeah alec mentioned with the shoehorning and rushing things if you name the universe before any of the films actually succeed you're off to a bad start imagine that they went we're coming up with a marvel cinematic universe we're gonna kick it off with Mm. everybody's favorite iron man (laughs) what 
Why not Spider-Man? <laughs> it's like we don't have Spider-Man. Start it with Spider-Man. We yeah. just had a Spider-Man. No, we're doing another Spider-Man. Not that Spider-Man. The other Spider-Man. I like what Wolverine. Spider-Man? Don't have Wolverine at the minute. No, we don't, have, we don't have him either. Yeah. It's the other guys. The other guys from the, yeah. from the thing. The ones who don't know. Yeah. So Godzilla comes out and I personally like the Gareth Edwards Godzilla. Me too. And not a lot of other people do. Um, yeah. I, I, am, yeah. I am one of those guys. I did not like that I did not like it either. No. no. Still haven't seen it. Keep it that way. <laughs> Join us too. But the thing is that the arrogance works in a good way. So they say, right, we're going to Skull Island. Now, admittedly, I don't like Kong Skull Island, oh, but I like that too. I appreciate what it does visually. And then I got the trailer for um, Godzilla 2, which I looks, think looks fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll be really good. And then it's going to tie into King Kong versus Godzilla and who knows next. And that's kind of the key point here. Who knows where it's going to go? There's been talk of Legendary also owns the Pacific Rim titles. We bring big mechs involved. Fuck yes. And all kinds of shit like that. And it's like, well, you could do that. But the, the thing is, they're not signposting it and they're not advertising it. And they're not branding it yet, which is good. And more importantly, this is what I'm sort of building towards. Everyone gets to a point with the producers and the studios like, we want to do what Marvel's doing. We don't want to copy Marvel or be seen to copying Marvel. And it's like, you fucking should. God forbid <laughs> DC Comics looks like it's copying Marvel. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the that's whole... such a rivalry yeah, between those companies that stems back 50 years. It's so. literally the idea of like, if you want to make the money, do what they do. It's like, I'm not going to do it their way. It's like, their way works. We're going to get Joss Whedon in, but we're, we're not copying Marvel. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Marvel. Right. It's like, you literally are doing a bad... Yeah. Because they're rushing and making the same mistake, and I think this is a DC thing from the comics as well, pivoting in the worst possible way. Mm. If you say, you've kind of made a wrong decision here, you got rid of a character I really liked, and you've made this new character, and I'm not sure what you're doing. Well, don't worry, kids. We'll bring out a new comic that explains where they went and compile on top of another yeah. one. So I've got three comics that I don't like. <laughs> when you could just fix the first mm. one because just putting a halt on it for a second he's like no nah, we're not gonna do that we think we know what we're doing you bastards to touch briefly on signposting as well i remember the i can't remember how many years ago it was but i think it was san diego comic-con and then you got the like famous timeline of like this is our plan for the dc oh, cinematic universe oh, we've got yeah. green we've got everything planned until 2024 when mm-hmm. the second green lantern movie comes out not the ryan reynolds green lantern we've got another green lantern and then the second green lantern comes out over there there's also martian manhunter mm-hmm. there's also this guy you've never heard of everything's happening mm-hmm. in the next 15 years everything's gonna be fine mm-hmm. the oh. people are crying out for a sign Cyborg solo film, <laughs> which was Batman. half of Justice League. To be yeah, fair. yeah. We've done Batman v Superman, which is kind of a Justice League. Oh no, wait, that's not the. This is the Justice League, sort of. Maybe we're ignoring the plan now. We scrapped the last thing. We, we had it all planned out, but it doesn't matter anymore. So we're a state now where Aquaman is coming out, and nobody cares. Correct. Not, re- not really. You take the wins where you can. You go. Oh, they're riding sharks. He's handsome. It's pretty mm. fucking cool. It's like, uh, that's what I expect to see in this sort of film. What's next? And they keep re-releasing ideas. Like, oh, a Batgirl film. From what? Really? Oh, and a no, Joker no, no. film. We, we canceled Joaquin we, Phoenix. We, can- like, we cancelled that one. No, we, we cancelled that one as well. There's another Joker <laughs> film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not doing that Joker film. No, wait. You're doing the you're doing the Mikey. No, 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 no. Who's no. like us now? No, it's this guy. Like, no. So the I Jared Leto one? No, 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 no. No, no. You mean you mean Jared Leto from Suicide? No, 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 no. Not that Joker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think also just a quick point to make here. You cannot do a Suicide Squad movie or a Batgirl movie or a Robin movie mm-hmm. or a Mister Freeze movie or a fucking Talia Al Ghul movie until we know who Batman is. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, that is a. This is the laying your foundation. We know thing. almost nothing about. Batfleck yeah. mm. and his corner of that universe. Yeah. Mm. This like, is the yeah. the importance of laying your core groundwork because we know almost nothing about that character. He's meant to be the one in charge. Yeah. Like he's the leader of the <laughs> fucking Justice League, and we don't know anything about him. That's Superman's the leader. Yeah, Superman's the leader. Mm, oh yeah. no 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 no! no. They, no, they conflict. They conflict about that. The whole yeah. that's the whole oh, point of those two. That's weird. All the ones I've ever seen. They're co-leaders. Of, yeah. I, I've always oh. my my personal thing is is Superman's leader. Just to go back to Aquaman and the thing we were talking about, about having Mm. a long-term plan and also the idea that for any given element of a cinematic universe, if you're making a film about it, it should be able to support probably at least another film. Yes. The Aquaman film from the trailer has both Black Manta and Ocean Master as bad guys. Those are the two Aquaman villains that anybody knows. Yeah, name another Aquaman villain. Yeah. Even from the big comic book nerds. Plastic. (laughs) (laughs) Plastic straws. Six yeah. pack wrinkled man. Yeah, six pack wrinkled. Yeah, exactly. if you're if you are spunking both of your two big <laughs> villains in the first film, what is the future for that franchise? Well, like they did with, with Batman v Superman. It's like, right, we've done Zod in Man of Steel. He's dead. Yeah. What can we turn Zod into? Doomsday. Yeah. 
What? Wait, what the fuck are you talking That's about? Oh, leap. we're going to do Death of Superman and as, Dark Knight Returns as the, as the in the same film. film and just ignore the fact that the only reason Dark Knight Returns and that fight works is because they have years of friendship building up yeah. to that fight. Yeah. So let's ignore the weight of the whole thing and, and just have them fight. The reason that Death of Superman sort of works in the comics is because you have, like, <laughs> at that point, 60 years of Superman God, yeah. in 50 which we've gotten yeah. to know yeah. and love him. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you have... And he's an immortal unkillable like yeah. badass whereas you have one film in that franchise where you turn around and go superman's a cock yeah. <laughs> christ what an unlikable he, grumpy bus he, he nearly let kids die in a school bus he wrecks that dude's truck because he touches a waitress's ass and then he just murders dudes yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and, and destroys like, an entire city it's like, it's like get your hankies ready kids because we're gonna kill him off it's like a strap <laughs> yeah. the dc like, universe is is so full of people telling us that superman is an inspirational figure yeah, and yeah, nothing absolutely. showing us it we'll make a giant statue of of the guy that wrecked the city because apparently he did really cool stuff and saved a lot of people that we never fucking saw yeah, we, we <laughs> get one montage in batman v superman mm. of him lowering a rocket and him getting people out of a burning building i think yeah and he always looks super miserable when yeah. he's doing it <laughs> oh i can't carry oh, save people Jesus again humans why can't i just go and kill them now, going back to the point of you know there has to be a reason for these characters to be together yes are you aware of the setup for the hasbro cinematic oh interesting heard things. so this is this is fascinating right so obviously hasbro made a fortune from the excellent transformers films oh yeah. sorry excrement <laughs> transformers <laughs> um there's that speech impediment again so, yes yeah, so saying the opposite of what I mean. They've had the Transformers films, they're fucking terrible, but you know, they made a fortune from them. So they've also got the G.I. Joe films going on. Well, they used to. They had a yep. couple of this sort Speaking of had one. Of the Rock making bad films. And a semi-sequel, which is the most boring action film ever made. Yeah. And I fucking love G.I. Joe. There's just nothing in the cinema. <laughs> Crossovers several times in the comics, Transformers versus yeah, G.I. Yeah. Joe, etc. Okay, that works because you've got the Transformers on Earth and the G.I. Joe would be the special team who'd be dealing with something like yeah, that. Maybe that works, okay, that, that works. Then they bring in Mask, which are the, you know, the people with the cool vehicles. Oh, yeah. Very, very 80s, what? so they'll have to update a lot of the designs, probably. <laughs> it's but toys. Fuck that. It's toys, Original yeah. designs or nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Set it in the 80s. Why not? Um, and again, they're sort of specialists for something. They could be working with G.I. Joe. Okay, yeah. Mm. So, Some uh, of their vehicles are accidentally Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I've been wanking in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How many times has that happened to Sam Witwicky? He got his wiki wet. Um, And then you've got the Micronauts are coming on part of it. Again, like sort of, they go very, very small, hence Micronauts. But also they're kind of alien and there's kind of an extra dimension. Things there as well. Is this not fitting so well? Don't know, don't know. That's getting slightly troubling there. And then Rom the Space Knight has to come down from out of outer space. Hey, the Transformers came down. I'm going to come down. He's in the Transformers comics quite a lot. At the yeah. moment. There we are. Yes, bring yeah. him but down. He's, yeah. he's a, a huge robot man. Uh, he is a yeah. huge robot man. He's also a huge snarl of copyright issues because the comic to do with him was owned by Marvel, and then oh, exactly. the rights is so complicated. Yeah, because the design belongs to the toy manufacturer yes. and all this yeah. sort of crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm taking this incidentally from a box set that, of toys that were sold recently. Mm-hmm. I think it probably San Diego mm-hmm. Comic Con was where most of the special things come out, isn't it? And they also included a dire wraith, which are like these hideous sort of mm. tentacles armed teethy no eye monsters that can sort of I think they pretend to be human or something so you can't yeah, tell they're, they're, yeah. they're the ROM bad guys that's, exactly yeah. so they're bringing ROM's bad guys and you're like well we've already got bad Transformers god this is getting confusing and then to put it on top Visionaries yes Visionaries <laughs> are set in a post-apocalyptic Ooh. earth in which electricity doesn't work anymore but magic has come yes. back it's what? not even earth because it's got three suns it's a, oh, it's a, it's a different planet different planet with magic that's even worse and post-apocalyptic <laughs> how is this ended up even worse than when I started talking. That's <laughs> astonishing. What strikes me about this is that some of these things are Transformers and G.I. Joe plus other toy lines that we then made because Transformers and G.I. Joe were popular yeah. and we needed to make something that was like Transformers We need more vehicles Joe, and little blokes to put in those vehicles. Transformers yep. and yes, G.I. Exactly. Joe. Yeah. That is not a good basis for a shared <laughs> universe. The two things and then the other things that we made to be like the things but not the same as the yeah. things. Yeah. It would be like if the new cinematic universe was Teenage Ninja Mutant 
Turtles. No, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> plus Ninja. Biker Mice from Mars plus Street Sharks. Oh, oh, so sold. Fucking circle. Also, yeah. Battletoads. Also, oh, yes. Battletoads. yes. And SWAT Cats. And Basil, the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do want to see a live-action Bucky O'Hare film. Bucky O'Hare and Samurai Pizza Cats. Yeah. Another yeah. one to throw in. Yeah. The cinematic universe elephant in the room, the thing that we have not yet talked the about. The other one that's not Marvel. Yeah. Which is, is of linked. course, Star Wars. Oh, the other Disney property. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Now, Star Wars is an interesting example because the idea of a shared Star Wars universe across multiple media is well entrenched and has existed now for, what, 30 years? Yep. Mm, more than 30 this years. Is, yeah, this yeah. is something, but really came into its own sort of oh, in, absolutely. in the mid-80s. The, the mid mid early stuff, 90s, yeah. 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 So I think near 30 years where that has been really established, I think there have been some teething problems in translating that to cinema because I don't know if it's even fair to call what they're doing with Star Wars a shared cinematic universe anyway because what they are doing with Star Wars is very much what they have always done which is the story continues in comics and video games and novels while well, we go and make prequels for well, some reason mm -hmm. so they've very much continued with trilogies mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. Skywalker saga as they're now calling it but their spin-offs as you said are two prequels to the first Star Wars which is a bit of a strange... Yeah, Rogue um, One's a prequel as well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Prequel, but yeah. both yeah. prequels to A New Hope. A New Hope. Mm. Yep. Yes. So I'm intrigued to see what happens with that, because I don't even know if we could call it a cinematic universe at the moment. I don't because... think it is, personally. Nah. I think it's just a few spin-offs at this point. Yeah. But at what point does it become a cinematic I universe? I think it becomes a cinematic universe when the central universe, the central story, the Skywalker story, stops. Mm. And the Star Wars universe story starts, because Star Wars is really at this point now effectively one family slash character's story. This is the mm. Skywalker arc, as you say, it's the Star Skywalker family and everyone who's peripherally linked somehow, despite the fucking scale and scope of the universe, should makes be... the whole galaxy feel very small. Though. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's in a galaxy far, far away, that's also maybe two planets <laughs> because it's, everyone fucking knows each other. Everyone seems to be connected by two degrees of separation. The central story is still Skywalker, and then other stuff happens. I mean, this will change with the new potential Ryan Johnson trilogy. There's no story has been released that directly affects the events in episode eight or nine for example if we what about solo and his dice they're so important <laughs> fuck off <laughs> correct <laughs> answer, no, yeah. Matthew, you're right yeah. the, 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 but then it, that's the thing the sort of thinking the dice thing comes after episode eight so for say for example force awakens come out and instead of rogue one we get some sort of canto bite film set 50 years in the past of that story and then eventually it becomes oh shit i know this planet because i've just seen it and it actually is a direct correlative effect before rather than retroactively after the audiences decide they like it or dislike it hence the idea of like who do they like well like han solo they're like boba fett it's interesting. I felt like they were very much trying to do a cinematic university setup in Solo, though, with the introduction of Darth Maul. Oh, absolutely. Yes, the, the sequence, crime syndicate stuff. Because it very much felt, and it, to me it didn't really land. I thought the Darth Maul scene, though, was very much a, we're going to carve out our little niche in this Star Wars universe where there might be a Darth Maul spin-off film or a Kira spin-off film and this might then play back into Han Solo 2, which I think was very clear they intended to make. They, it absolutely, yeah. 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 The real problem is, we know how Darth Maul's story ends. Yeah, There's a yeah. canon ending to mm -hmm. his story, and we've heard all the interesting bits happen in Clone Wars, and then we know how it ends in Rebels. The much bigger problem is that we know how Han Solo's story ends. <laughs> Correct. And also <laughs> begins. Yes. That's yeah. the, the more interesting story is how it ends, because yeah. of the effect it has on the universe, i.e. Kylo Ren's story, which is where you hand over between the old guard and the new guard. Yeah. But that didn't happen in a separate story, it happened in the main central strut. Yeah. Talking about, like, it won't be a universe until the main story ends is really true, because... You know, we know that the Star Wars universe is rich enough to support multiple stories because we've seen it in the spin-off media. We've yeah. seen it in Clone Wars. We've seen it in Rebels. We've seen it in countless comics and video games, exactly. and TV shows. But the kind of stuff, yeah. the problem is, at the moment, every other supplementary film and and TV series is supporting that single main story. Mm. Whereas if you were like, oh, I don't like Robert Downey Jr. His goatee makes me feel awkward. 
So I'm not going to watch the Iron Man films. But went to see Thor and loved it. You'd have to put your hand over your eyes whenever Robert Downey Jr. was on screen. But like, you could go from Thor to the Avengers to Thor 2 to the Avengers 2 to Thor 3 to Infinity War. And that is a There's complete story. Yeah. Or if you came in on Guardians, you could go, you know, through the so through the path example, yeah, in which that they travel. As much as there is a central story to the universe in Marvel, there isn't a character that it relies on. Iron Man you doesn't show up in every single film. Like, exactly. Hey, kids, um, yeah, don't forget you, could, about me. you could make arguments that it's Iron Man because he was the first one there. And I think there's, you know, themes you can follow through. But yeah, there isn't a character who's in all of them where we're following that story through. It's like if Nick Fury had his own storyline, just weaving yeah. in and out all these things. Instead yeah, of just and I think like... it won't be a universe until you have that situation where you've got lots of different stories going on and you can't point to one and go, they are all really in service of this one story. Mm. The big the big question, of course, is whether Disney will be able to sustain audience interest once there isn't a Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. Are the general public, not fanboys here, but the, mm. the, the general public willing to invest in three movies that feels separate from that although i'm not sure if they will i wonder if disney on the basis of their spin-offs has taken a step back is reserving that quote-unquote universe media for their new streaming service mm. and oh, for absolutely. video games and mm. for everything live else. action tv series um, and whether yeah. we're just going to get a new star wars trilogy every five ten years mm. that will be mm. three films that will tell us a story in star wars but mm. will be a, a three-part mm. story and that's how they'll sustain it i mean there's the question of for a long while the original Star Wars trilogy was the only canon and there was the expanded universe but it was all you know novels and stuff like that it made that trilogy very special mm. and there's the idea that with every Rogue One and Solo we lessen how important each individual Star Wars yes. film is yes. you know I'm not I'm not sure I agree with that point of view but it is a perfectly valid point of view and well the, if you fill in all the gaps there's no mystery left exactly with the Castle Run it's like yeah well done you've got around something that basically George Lucas didn't understand and just flubbed up in the script <laughs> but in doing so you have quite quantified the universe mm. and all the mysteries and cool shit what made Han Solo the way he is well you just told me mm. and it wasn't enough mm. so we talked about how the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been the pretty much only positive example especially in the modern era of this thing actually working and how everybody's kind of fucked up the real big question is how long can they keep this going for we're already 10 years in as Tim mentioned Iron Man was in 2008 is it another 10 years is this going to outlive the five of us? Like, mm-hmm. how, how and when does Kevin Feige throw in the towel or pop his clogs? Or how can they possibly sustain this ongoing cinematic universe? I have a, a theory. And it's most more on how film has worked to date. In that when you're in the eye of the storm, there is no end in sight. And there's only people trying to replicate it and do their own version. But it will be something small. It won't be oversaturation like it has been with other things. And it won't be, in my opinion, Marvel running out of ideas, running out of actors or money. It won't be anything like that at all. It will be something small as either A, innovation, where there'll be a change. Just a little twist. I mean, For example, in, in one of the episodes we did, the, the Poltergeist episode, the nature of we don't do anthology films for short films anymore all it takes is something like that to come back and it the nature of an anthology a short anthology film which would bring a smaller version of a shared universe into a more safe environment in that it's just one film so it doesn't cost as much not much risk and so on and so forth and i think oh why the fuck are we trying to invest in five films over 10 fucking years to try and get this thing down actually ball rolling we could do it in one and people say yeah good point and people will find it interesting and novel and different one of the reasons that the marvel cinematic universe works other than the patience we've established already is the fact that avengers worked and people could bring in three disparate films that people may not have watched before and still watch them together to fight adversary in one film and that you'd have covered enough ground establishing who the characters are you wouldn't need to worry about that sort of stuff so it'll be one minor change the other thing that's potential is external to cinema westerns dominated cinema in the 50s it was a golden age of westerns and it's like let me make westerns forever always will always will and then space happened and so the past was fucking irrelevant and it was all about the future and we've seen this in Toy Story the whole message of Toy Story is the nature of cinema you've got <laughs> the west is where it's at it's all that's ever going to be and then suddenly what's this? Space we're going to space and it's like what about westerns? and then eventually what you eventually have is things like fucking Firefly and Deep Space Nine <laughs> space westerns you can just combine the bastards together <laughs> past and future and these little things because again space got oversaturated okay what about what about brace yourselves Earth it's like, <laughs> what? yeah Earth is where it's at and what's more 
people. Super people. <laughs> oh, interesting. Tell me more. But it'd be interesting to see what external factor crops up that will move the whole thing along or just distract us. I think there's also been noises being made amongst, you know, uh, people who study cinema and follow the industry about whether we're reaching blockbuster saturation, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not just among cinematic universe films, but but um, amongst everything. There's so many of these films out now that have to make huge amounts of money. And we, we've talked about it with DC, you know, $800 million and it was a failure. The idea that these big films are now coming out basically like once a week and cinema audiences are shrinking and it can't sustain at that level mm. and there has been a huge shift to streaming media and stuff like that and films being released that way and you can't make that same amount of money that way and I think that attrition will potentially wear down what Marvel are capable of doing what Disney are capable of doing with Star Wars everything mm. because there will become a point where it's just not sustainable to have these big big films and when you start shrinking the budgets you've got audiences who don't want to go to the cinema to see it but they want it to still be as impressive with the CGI yeah, and the stunts yeah, and everything yeah, yeah. and I think think there will be that that is potentially where the problems will come in mm -hmm. i think everything you said there about blockbuster fatigue is true and i also think shared universe fatigue because every time that somebody starts and fails a shared universe that's eroding trust in the cinema goer true, in that kind true. of format it's making them go oh, this isn't a thing this isn't a viable thing when you look at comics though it's interesting people often go well shared universes work in comics and my response to that would be they do until they don't <laughs> because yes. comic books are very well known for resetting their shared universes when they get too convoluted, when they get too busy, when there are too many characters. And it's been unpopular in mm. recent times that they reboot it every couple of years. Yeah. 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 Marvel and DC yeah. are just doing constant New resets. 52 and House of M. There's yeah. just so mm. many examples. Yeah, and it's, and it's, and it's when tastes Marvel change as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 Ultimate versions. And, yeah. Absolutely. and when you're very flippant with character deaths, it's mm. very easy for something and then undoing those character yeah, deaths and exactly. making death irrelevant yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i was gonna say at least that's something they've always kept the deaths mean something in the films not post thanos it isn't no, <laughs> no, not at no. all. it's gonna have the complete opposite effect it, well it? Yeah. it'd be interesting to see what they do with it first. i'll just keep them all dead i'll teach them <laughs> <laughs> thanos doubles down saying, do you know what i'm gonna do it again yeah <laughs> and the weird thing is we have with that is we know there's a spider-man sequel mm. yeah uh, spider-man you know there's a black panther we know there's a black panther 2 coming oh yeah we know there's a doctor strange seven coming or whatever yeah. the fuck like none of those guys are going to stay dead it made sense that comic books used to exist in perpetuity mm. in the 50s and 60s because the people that were reading them would only read them for five years and then would stop mm. they would they stop would grow up yeah yeah stop reading comics sure. then their kid brother and sister would start reading them and they would literally just repeat the stories every yes. five years yeah, update some of the details but when you have an audience that grows up with a medium and doesn't stop reading it you have to then start addressing start the changes yeah. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. concerns of mm -hmm. that audience. And also, actors, unlike pictures on a page age mm. yeah and then you get contract issues and disputes and all sorts and it's the frustration when you get announcing films in advance i mean this is the problem we had when we had um age of ultron and you think well someone's gonna have to die at this point it's going to be a big death and you do the maths and you look through and think right well it can't be mm. chris evans has got three films left on yeah. his contract mm. so probably not him unless he does a cameo in there yeah like, exactly robert downey jr yeah. he's got two left and he says he wants to stop and soon so but he's definitely got another iron man movie in it yeah so i don't know it became a logic puzzle of yeah. hawkeye's gonna die <laughs> or Quicksilver's gonna die and then it's like Hawkeye's in uh, Tease Hawkeye Tease Hawkeye yeah Tease Hawkeye. It's like, uh, it's like Hawkeye's in, uh, in Civil War right it's fucking Quicksilver now <laughs> yep. and they had the whole bang on about Aaron Taylor Johnson not wanting to be involved in a big thing and then apparently Elizabeth Olsen was like oh don't worry about it he's like yeah because you're not gonna be in the fucker for very long <laughs> I talked to these guys about this earlier, but to Haviland Law, which was the old studio's way of retaining actors to a contract for a specific studio. Like, you're an MGM person. You will not do any other film other than MGM. You're locked into contract. You will work on these shitty films despite the fact that you don't want to. And it would be brutal. And then finally, Olivia de Havilland, the actress, covered the exact dispute, but there was a court case and everyone was like, no, you can't hold actors for more than seven years. So whenever you see like Chris Evans' contract is coming up after Infinity War, he's not on contract for any more films. Like, yeah, or you could just sign a new contract. Yeah. <laughs> but then also, you don't want to be doing the same film and the same cap for an actor. That's really boring mm. doing the same role over and over and over. If you get too big for your boots, if you get too powerful, what do you do then? If, if suddenly Downey Jr. turns around and says, fuck it, I'm not doing the next one. I'm not doing anything. Pay me through the nose. 
They mm. kind of have to. Or they pull a Terrence Howard, which is again, early days rather than <laughs> They couldn't um, recast Iron a Man. Mark People Ruffalo. would lose their fucking mm. mind. They yeah. talked about yeah, it many times. Yeah, they got times. away with the early stuff. Yes. Like you said, Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle with War Machine. Yeah. And, yeah. Ed and Ed Norton to Mark Ruffalo. Although to Mark when Ruffalo. it was announced at, at Comic-Con, people were booing Mark Ruffalo. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Best Hulk ever. Yeah. yeah. Edward Who. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is kind of the point. I think they're going to be very bold soon. And that Marvel have to. It might not work. This is their pivot moment. And it will be fuck all these contracts, all these old guard people. Should we bring in multiple universe ideas? So we just say, here's an Iron Man from a different universe, Ultimate Universe style, and we just say it's now fucking someone else? Should we go with Riri? Sort of thing? Yeah, they're gonna go Riri Williams, which is a, a yeah. younger mm. African American yeah, Iron Heart. Feige's mm. already said that at one point there'd be more female superheroes in the Marvel Universe than male superheroes. Well, you could There isn't you a comic theoretically most of the moment. I felt that this was interesting a few years ago when Marvel did their thing where Jane Foster became Thor oh, yeah. and Falcon became Captain America for a bit. And then they both sort of existed alongside the other versions of the characters, right? Because mm. Marvel uh, does that. Yeah, Thor Odin and went off and had yeah. his own book and quested to become worthy again and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Because if you could establish that within a film franchise that yeah. characters could become other characters, that mm. you could have somebody else take over the mantle, Pass down the mantle Man and the legacy, or yeah. Or Thor or any mm-hmm. of these characters. Name a character in Marvel, they've done it. Yeah. yeah. To do it <laughs> and Which commit they, to that rather than to go... They sort of tried to in the comics and there's a huge... like. Yeah. You then get the whole diversity in comics argument from the like alt-right and right-wing crowd of like oh you're making all my favorite people women and people of color man this is not my superheroes i grew up with go and read those fucking comics then if you want white dudes being white dudes i think the films could have an easier time of it because there's a whole bunch of characters that they haven't put into the films yet mm. that can become the second generation. You know, you can have Doctor Strange move into the Iron Man role in the Avengers. You can have, you know, Spider-Man. New Avengers. Style. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can bring in new characters and have a new generation that is after this transition period, you know, is more or less stands by itself. And then, yeah, maybe you bring in Riri Williams or you bring in... Miles Morales. Miles, Miles Morales and stuff like that. Donald Glover's mm-hmm. character. And mm-hmm. you find ways to reinterpret but these characters and you know who knows there might be new characters in the comics by then that they can then adapt and stuff because we know that actors age whereas comic book characters don't <laughs> I think there's more there would be more acceptance in this is something that comics always fall back on it's like when when Slot killed off Peter Parker and had Doctor Octopus take over inside his body. Him, yeah. yeah and everyone said oh it's disgraceful and there's you know death threats and all sorts it of bullshit it was fucking great <laughs> but that's the point people hated it to start with then they loved it and then when he said it was going back to normal they're like oh mm-hmm. there is one guarantee is that it will always go back to normal eventually yep. no matter what the change is eventually superman will come back in red mm. fucking pants and everything will be like nothing has changed yeah. iron man is still got shrapnel in his heart mm. for some yep. fucking reason he's an alcoholic again oh mm. Tony Stark all over again every yeah. time but the cinematic universes cannot have that mm. can't they have 70 cannot. year old robert downey jr cgi'd mm. back in it's interesting because you can physically go over it now sort of also with the technology but i don't think you can end up saying okay we've done the marvel universe for 25 years now guys we're going to do Iron Man. <laughs> what? We're going to do the Iron Man story again. We're time traveling back to Iron Man 1. And we've got the uh, CGI actor 003. As we all know, he won three Oscars. <laughs> um, and he's going to be portraying the role of Robert Downey Jr.'s face. <laughs> I'm going to do the whole thing again properly. The rest Don't worry. is a robot, ironically enough. I think in order to keep the cinematic universe running, though, they need like what two or three characters that the public like, mm-hmm. and they need yes. to be the certain actors that they like. But I mean, going forward, they've got Black Panther, I think, mm. and uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Mm. So and Doctor Strange they should is huge be all in China. right. And oh, Benedict Cumberbatch will sell that fucking shit to no end. Panther, Strange, Spider-Man. Well, Spider-Man, what the deal is, but. Do you say that, but like Tom Holland is, what, 21 now, whatever Mm, he is. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman's 42 Mm, and Benedict Cumberbatch is 37, 38, Mm. 40, something like that. They're not 20 year old kids. Like these are well-established actors who have Mm. already had a big chunk of their career. And they introduce, hey, you get your first Marvel movie. Well, second, if you include Civil War, you're 42 years old, Chadwick. He's like, cool. I'm going to do this for another five years and I'm fucking off. Mm. I'm going to retire on my Marvel Mm -hmm. money. Because you've got like, is Downey Jr. the oldest? Or like Mark Ruffalo? Well, Samuel Jackson, obviously, but yeah. They're all getting up there in age. I think mm. like Chris Evans is one of the younger ones of the main mm. Avengers crew and Chris Hemsworth is reasonably young, yeah. but you're, you're running that. out of time of like, yeah, you can't have the, these 60-year-old blokes running around. That's why it's good, because it means that 
you put a They're finite gonna have time to make a decision. Mm. Absolutely, decision. yeah. And it's not like they did with the every time the idea of like, oh, we're going to cast a new Batman. Who are you casting? These twenty-five-year-olds who then have a limited time to be that character, yep. and then you have a bullet point of fuck, figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. He's looking a bit do we, old. Do we then start casting teenagers as everybody to let them have these forty-year <laughs> career? That's a joke in Deadpool, isn't it? Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. It. Mm. Yeah, oh, somebody old enough to carry the a franchise <laughs> for ten yeah, years. Exactly. Yeah. I think just lean into it and just have Michael Douglas be every character. <laughs> Thank. God, a voice of reason at last. I think even like Hugh Jackman, for example, was Wolverine for what? 18 years. years? 18 years, yeah, yeah. 18 years, which is. Recasting insane. Wolverine will be the hardest thing that I suppose now Marvel will have to do. Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I think it works. He is hairy and he is short. <laughs> He's not. They angry. are the prerequisites. He is hairier and shorter than Hugh Jackman. I, I, I can think of, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, I think, could work in the Marvel Universe, not as Wolverine. So that is our thoughts, mostly on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But uh, <laughs> It's the one that works. Yeah, yeah, it's the one that works and the, the only sort of main example of it actually succeeding pretty much ever. Mm. And yes. It, that's our discussion of why other ones didn't work and what what we kind of hope for the future if you have thoughts about cinematic universes marvel or otherwise or any ideas you'd like to hear from us about future cinematic universes and things like that let us know tweet at sequelizers and sequelizers at gmail.com is the place you can go to send us emails in the longer form than tweets if you want to complain or comment you can't limit your thoughts to 280 characters yes exactly exactly we'll be back soon with more mid-season content in your ears in your faces very soon excelsior i look forward to the sequelizer cinematic universe oh that's a discussion which is basically just day. our lives yeah plus and peter no, I, frampton oh, we've, set, we've set up five this is yeah this is the five setup movies is yeah. our lives until the moment we all met and then yeah, came sequelizers we yeah. go from there yeah, yeah. this is our avengers yeah <laughs> and who's who's uh, our Nick Fury? Who's our Hawkeye? Uh, oh. uh, I don't no. know who's Hawkeye.